I, I definitely feel that isolation. Talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. She told me that I should change my career goal. We're only doing science to take care of our community. You need to feel 100% prepared for sharing your knowledge. I've just never been a road that someone has shown me. If no one do it, it's okay if you want to do it. Well, I had a 2.5 GPA. How do I overcome this? First gen come grade, I was the class the low. Higher education is for them. It will empower them. They will have a Present full time. Present myself they will in a way that I feel that people would be able to really acknowledge who I am and like... We need to retain them. Be you, you know, like stop trying to mold yourself to fit. But it's not just about the science, it's about how we vote, you know, how we treat people who are different to us, you know, how we try and get the best out of people. Those things are really important. When I graduate from our program, I will be the first African-American male to ever have matched and graduated as a surgeon at this institution, as a general surgeon which in 2021 just seems ridiculous to me. What's up, y'all? It's your host, JP Flores, and welcome to From Where Does It Stem? Cool. Hi, uh, I'm Hadley Wickham. I'm the chief scientist at our studio. Uh, basically, what me and my team do is develop tools to make data science like more fun, easier, and and faster. So we have a pretty broad remit. We work, work mostly in R, and then as well as tools for doing data science. Since we develop a lot of our packages to do data science with, we also develop packages to make it easier to develop packages to do data science. So we, we have a sideline in kind of helping people become better software engineers in R as well. Cool. Um, would you mind painting a picture of who you are uh, outside of science? You know, where were you raised? How were you raised? Parents? How many siblings? Yeah. Yeah, like a virtual date, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm from New Zealand originally. So I grew up in in Hamilton, which is a pretty. Oh, it's like a. I guess it's there's a couple hundred thousand people there. So reasonable sized town in Hamilton with my two parents, and I have a younger sister as well um i guess yeah like as a kid i was super nerdy i would say <laughs> extremely nerdy so i like one of my first uh jobs when i was in high school was i'd, I'd gotten really into like microsoft office and microsoft access and i actually had a job when i was in high school documenting databases for someone and i like developed databases like my dad's work and i had some part-time jobs doing that so that was that was kind of like one of the things like I was programming from a you know pretty young age dad had like computers in the house like we had sort of super super old school laptops like when they were so heavy that you couldn't actually put them on your your lap and stuff so exposed to like computers and math from a pretty young age what are dinners like during the holidays is it is it all shop is it programming languages stats or how is that <laughs> uh, yeah a little a little bit uh, yeah, so my dad, um, so one of the, my, my sister and I both did our PhDs in yeah. the States. And one of the reasons for that is my dad did his PhD at Cornell. So I think like just growing up, that just seemed like, oh, you know, you just do what your dad do. So doing a PhD seemed pretty normal. Um, I think the, the rude awakening was that dad did his PhD in two years. <laughs> so we kind of thought, oh, like two years, that does, that's not too long. That's not too long to take a PhD. But uh, the reality is a little a little different for most people. So. 
Yeah. Does he ever give you a uh, uh, crap for that? Is he ever like, you got to do it in two? You do it in two? You'll never. <laughs> <laughs> no. But recently, I was, I was at home recently. I discovered like he still has his like the calculator that he bought to to do his like some of his PhD work, which is like it costs like three hundred fifty dollars back in the day. Uh, and it like plugs in to the wall, like it's not battery powered, it's uh, mains powered. And the yeah. cool thing about it, it's one of these HP calculators, which uses reverse Polish notation, which is where you type like the numbers in first and then put the operator. I just thought, I don't know, it's pretty cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, so where are you now? I, I know, like, I know you're in Houston. Um, you taught at Rice for a little bit, um, but yeah. out of curiosity, pets, like what it, what's the status of your current life right now? Yeah, I think you can actually see one, Lola, right there. She's uh -huh. our 12-year-old Sharpay. Um, so I don't know, she's pretty quiet these days, but uh, she knows every night at 8 p.m. that that's when we take her for a walk, and she is, like, yes. insistent on that every night. So I live here uh, with Lola and my husband, uh, Jeff. We just got married uh, last year, I guess. Yes. Thanks. We'd been together for like 13 years before that. So it wasn't a long engagement, but pretty nice. Uh, yeah, I think we like, I don't know. Kind of, we both like Houston. Obviously, like the politics in Texas is like batch of crazy, but uh, <laughs> I think we both uh, like the weather here now. And Houston's like a super like liberal democratic city. So it's a pretty nice place to live overall. Cool. Yeah. When you go on these walks, do you ever get like, like people to ask uh, to take a selfie with you? How does that work? I'm sure it's not a. <laughs> no, no. But it's just been like, I get, I definitely get like recognized in like conferences. Um, yeah. But it's been, it's very rare that I get like recognized in real life. It's, it's happened to me like twice in Houston. Yeah. Like once when I was at the liquor store and once when I was at a restaurant where people are like, oh, hey, how are you working? That's awesome. Does your husband know what you do at all? Like, how does that? Does that yeah, work? I mean, at some, yeah, at some level, uh, he's like come to a lot of like, you know, conferences with me and been to meetups and stuff. So he's got a, like a pretty good sense and he can kind of like, you know, talk, talk yeah. in a way that sounds reasonably knowledgeable about what I do. So, yeah. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about like a community, right? So a lot of people talk about finding their communities, whether it be in academia, whether it be the amazing community you have at our studio, um, what were your support systems like, you know, growing up, um, how supportive, you know, is your husband of you being an art celebrity that you are and yeah. how intense has this been for you? Yeah, I really, I think I've like always been someone who has like a relatively like small number of good friends like I don't have I'm not just I'm basically not very social in general and fairly introverted um but I've always had like I think like pretty pretty good friends uh and you've been like supportive and my family's always been like super supportive even as like my kind of career has changed and you know various things have changed in my life so I've always been it's been pretty amazing and now, and now it kind of feels like, you know, I have like a couple of friends in Houston, kind of locally, but now it just feels like I have friends all over the world that I keep in touch with, with you know, Twitter and Google chat and my message and whatever, which 
don't know. That that kind of works well for me because I like being like alone most of the time. <laughs> but like, you know, it's good to know that there are like people to talk to, and like I particularly kind of appreciate like Jeff because if I didn't have him, I would just be like by myself like all of the time. And I know like I get like at some point that starts to make me feel pretty. Um, lonely and, and bored and stuff it's great to have someone else to kind of like pull me out of my comfort zone and like do different things together okay. is he in science or playing you know in the same space and there's now like a lot of kind of nursing you know, nursing informatics is kind of a big thing and uh, but but equally like he's he's not like he likes dealing with people which is like great for his job and like totally the opposite of me so. yeah it sounds like you, you balance yourselves out almost right <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So let's talk about, uh, I guess, career and, and so both career and life role models. Do you have any? I'm guessing JJ Alaire, maybe a Joe Chang type of people. Yeah. But what are, amazing. Yeah, I didn't really, I mean, like who I think of as kind of role models. But I mean, the, the people who have kind of like really, I think, steered my career have been like, Guy Cook, who is my PhD advisor, um, was like super into visualization and, you know, really supportive of me doing like all this kind of programming stuff, which is like pretty weird in the statistics department. And I think Dai has always been like great at kind of charting her own path, like doing things that is a bit different. To what everyone else is doing and that's you know i think that's such a great role model because that you you kind of have to do that if you want to make an impact at some level like you've got to like do things that other people aren't doing and that's like hard and scary and, and feels risky yeah. and i think yeah and then just like jj has been kind of amazing like like kind of as a not i mean not really as a boss because i don't feel like like manages me directly but like in terms of like creating this com company which has been an amazing place for me to work and also just like you know helping me be get a helping me become a better programmer uh you know for a long time like you know throughout academia i was kind of always you know the best programmer in the room not you know not that i was particularly good at it necessarily but just that no one else had kind of cared about that much or spent that much time and then just like you know working with jj was like such a revelation in the early days of like like this is how you actually kind of get shit done like jj is just like so incredibly effective and it was interesting to see like i think one of the you know one of my I think kind of weaknesses as a programmer is like wanting to get everything like correct and to like understand everything and to make sure like it's a hundred percent totally correct. Whereas what I got, what I really learned from JJ is this much more kind of pragmatic approach, like, you know, do stuff that makes a concrete impact to people's lives. Like sometimes that means like going in and like absolutely hammering out the details and getting them correct. Sometimes that just may, means like piling up the sort of like slightly wobbly, pile of stuff that like eventually all kind of balances out and you know might like fall over at some point in the future but the right thing for right now is to get that thing built up so you can you can do stuff yeah i think that so, that's really really helped yeah so if you were to say um if you were to talk about like similarities between you know jj and and your advisor die cook what do you think um are the most um honorable 
traits or characteristics that stand out most? Like, for example, if a PhD student was looking for a mentor, what would you advise them on in terms of like yeah. what quality are you looking for in a mentor? Yeah. Yeah, I think like so much of it, I think, comes down to that kind of like personality match. Like, are you kind of aligned on like the sort of big picture goals of life in some sense? Uh, because that, like, particularly when you're doing a PhD, that relationship with your supervisor, like, makes it or breaks it. Like, it can be a fantastic experience because of that, or it can be a terrible experience because of that. Um, I think, like, one one thing they kind of both die and, and JJ have in common, and this sort of, this this thing we talk about a little bit in, in my team and, and larger groups of our studios, like, everyone takes out the trash. Like, there's no one, like, you don't, like, you know, you don't leave shit lying around on the table for, like, some, yeah. you know, low-status cleaning person later on to clean up. Like, everyone is responsible for, like, picking up after themselves. And I think, like, both, like, yeah, both JJ and Di, like, like, kind of, you know, like, status and, like, social hierarchy is relatively unimportant to them. Like, you know, they treat everyone the same regardless of whether they're you know, more important or less important or richer or poorer or whatever. I think that that's really important. Yeah. So do you think that trickled down into the art community? I mean, I guess it's a rhetorical question, right? Everybody's so inclusive, but like, how do you foster inclusivity in your own team? Do you like, yeah. Like, like, it's, it's, I don't know. Like it's hard. It's sort of so weird for me because when I got into, ah, uh, you know, like 20 years ago, it was not like a friendly community. Yeah. It was definitely like this culture of like you ask a stupid question and someone will like you know tell you you're an idiot uh, yeah. and exhaustive detail and like it's 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 hard for me to like understand like what is what have been the things that have like changed it from that to this very inclusive community that is today. You know, I think some of it is just that there've been these sort of technology shifts, like we, the shift from kind of the mailing list to stack overflow was an opportunity to kind of like start over and like, you know, reassess like what's important to us. And then the kind of the, when the Twitter community came along, mm -hmm. but it does feel like the, the, the individual people can have like a pretty strong impact, like particularly when these communities are getting started and, um, you know, setting up norms. Kind of related, like one of the things that continues to surprise me is like at, at our studio conf, like when I talk about like the Pac-Man role at the very start of the conference, like that was awesome. Like people actually like listen to it yeah. and they do it and it makes a difference. And yeah. it just feels so weird to me that just taking those like that's like a two minute intervention and that I, I I genuinely believe that has like a meaningful impact on the, the conference and, and how people perceive it, particularly, you know, folks who are coming from the first time or don't know a bunch of people there. So it seems like there are these like relatively small interventions that can have a have a really big impact. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, this this was my first uh, Studio conf. I went alone as the lone represent, representative of my lab and I made so many friends at that conference because of the Pac-Man rule. So much so that my birthday was a couple of days ago and people I met at the conference were invited and they showed up and, and we had a great time catching up. So nice. that's that's awesome. Yeah. That's like that's that's the like the the type of story we wanna hear from from Con.
Yeah. So let's think a little bigger, right? What are your thoughts on how we can make, you know, STEM, science, stats, uh, I guess, computer science more diverse and more inclusive, right? So right now we've been in the realm of our studio. Do you have any yeah. ideas on how we can implement, uh, whether it be, you know, full inclusion initiatives um, or things like that? Like, how can we better support and empower students from um, underrepresented backgrounds in these bigger spaces? I think part of it is just kind of, you not quite how to put it, but like, I think there's something about like this kind of traditional, like, like very kind of serious academic framing that is like off-putting to a lot of people. We just, we just feel like they, they don't belong. And so I like, I think like, there's something about like bringing in humor and bringing in like art and bringing in like things that are, you know, like bringing in hobbies that people you know, don't think are like that. They're not like, they're not like scientific, they're not high prestige, but like making right. sure that like, you know, everyone in the community is kind of like illustrating their, like their, their whole self. Like this is the weird stuff I do in my spare time <laughs> that like I really enjoy. And, you know, I know it's like weird and not many people like it, but hey, it's <laughs> like, it's cool. Like let's share that. Like you, you can, you can feel welcome. And, and some of that I think is like ex explicitly stuff that I think like kind of feels like girly in some way or like is dismissed as being yeah. girly. Yeah. And I like, I just like, I think like it helps, you know, that I'm into all of these things that are like traditionally like girly thing, you know, like I like baking and I like, um, you know, done like crochet and embroidery, and this is stuff that I feel like I'm happy to kind of share. And it feels like by sharing that, other people have like shared this, these really cool things that they have they have done. Um, like one of the things that I can't, but I don't know if she came this year, but two years ago, someone uh, I forget her name came with like nails with a painted like little hex the hex stickers on each individual nail. Which I just yeah. think is like it's so cool and like so fun, yeah. and that's just not what you know you see in a lot of kind of traditional like venues. So there's something about that, like it's not just about like this kind of traditional boring stat. Like this is like scientific and important. It's just all of this other kind of like fun stuff as well. And I think that like the thing that's really important to me is like you know programming is like fun and can be joyful and like just like sharing that with everyone is, is, is great and helps. Yeah. Do you have any weird things about yourself you want to share? <laughs> uh, your cards? <laughs> no, I don't know. Not really. Nothing like super. Yeah. Just super express weird. it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I have to say like I am like so weirdly um, like I love like the thing I love the most is like closing issues. <laughs> like when you come to like a, a repo that's got like no one's really looked at for a while there's like 150 issues or something I, mean, I think about this because i've been working on the, the per package lately i just love that sense of like oh well, now that i've read them all these through all these five things are actually the same so i can close these <laughs> well that's kind of a cool idea but it's not that important let's close that oh this is a really little easy thing to fix and i just yeah. get like so i i find it like actively addicting like in a way <laughs> Like, I remember, like, you know, when I was younger, like, getting, like, so, like, so into a computer game, like, where you just 
you just play it and you kind of like look up and it's like 10 hours later and you've got like a splitting headache and like you need to go to the bathroom and you're starving because you've just been like so immersed in that. And I feel like I now get that same like level of excitement and immersion and like fixing issues and writing code uh in like possibly like an unhealthy way because it's <laughs> much harder for me to like switch that off and go on vacation but um i don't know that's just something like i i just i just love doing that and i know that most people do not but i love it and that's fine with me you sound like my friends addicted that are you sound like my friends that are addicted to tiktok essentially yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah are you on tiktok at all uh, I, I like watch TikTok. I do not create TikTok videos, but I do consume. A re- I, I actually I love TikTok. Like, I, like yes, it's like totally addictive, but you can also like kind of create. Like, I just love. Like, if you stay away from the videos that get like hundreds of thousands or millions of likes, there's like so much like weird, interesting content that you get fed. Like, for some reason, I got this like under this whole thing about like how linen is made oh, yeah, which yeah. is like totally random and like but i ended up getting you know getting like you know videos from like multiple different people like who are explaining all oh, this is how you grow and you extract the fibers and it's just like i just think that's like really interesting like i like learning like kind of weird stuff about yeah. this different profession so yeah i like that what side of TikTok are you on like do you think corn has the juice did that did that fly over your head do you know that TikTok at all like what side of TikTok is. I am not on that side of TikTok. Really. <laughs> okay, it's good to know. Good yeah, to know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've like tried to like, I try to like actively. Some you know, sometimes you've got to like kind of fight the algorithm. You've got to fight it, like yeah. trying to send you like the meme things to get into like the the deep cuts TikTok, which is like weird. <laughs> like yeah, there's another one, like I follow this guy like Thatcher's houses of England. It's just like some like, <laughs> like random and weird. But. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, how does it feel to be at the at this point in your career? Like, can you reflect on that a little bit? You you are in a position of power. You are making people feel included in this community that you've helped to build up. How, uh, if you were to give like a thank you speech, what would it be? No pressure. I know that that's a lot to put. Uh, yeah, know, I don't know. It's so <laughs> feel, yeah, it, it feels it does it feels weird. And I think the thing that like I think I'm now kind of adjusted to, but it took some, it, it take like one of the things that's sort of interesting as you go along in your career, like you go from being that kind of like lone voice that no one is particularly listening to. And so to some extent, you've got to like shout a little bit just to get heard. And then as you kind of get more and more popular, like, you know, just a, a whisper has the same effect as that that shout and I, I, it's interesting like tw- i think twitter kind of amplifies this to some extent and like i've had to learn over time like i i can't just do like a throwaway fun tweet anymore because like people like even if it's like buried deeply in some thread depending on like how what twitter is like optimizing the algorithm for at the moment it might get like exposed to a bunch of people who are like highly offended by it um, so there's like a little bit like, you know, sort of one of the the costs of kind of be- becoming more famous is also like kind of there is some thought, like some pressure to create that kind of public persona and like stick to it and be like 
you know, a little less like edgy or like, not that I'm like really edgy, but like, you know, like I have like fairly like, I think like cutting, like dry cutting humor is kind of my style and like making sure I, like, and it's not always easy to get that. Like if you don't know me or it's in a tweet or whatever. So it just, it does feel like there's a little bit of pressure to like to be, be safer and, um, you know, you kind of stick to the middle more. Yeah, well, during, but, but, during the con, you were replying to tweets and your replies were hilarious. Like, I, I was right. dying. Yeah, it depends. <laughs> it depends a lot on, you know, like what my mood is and uh, how much I've been drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do like, like, it is, like, yeah, when, it, when it's obvious, like, this is, like, a totally friendly kind of, like, I, yeah, I, I really like to, like, get into, like, pretend flame wars onto it. It's, it's still pretty, pretty fun. For sure. Yeah. So what was the best uh, piece of advice you received in your career? Uh, could have been in elementary school, high school, college. Hmm. What would you pass on to like the next generation of people uh, doing science? I don't, I'll, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't remember the, the best piece. Well, I'll tell you one piece of advice, like, uh, <laughs> okay. which I did not follow. And that was never, don't study in a state beginning with a vowel. <laughs> which I think is pretty, like, it's not a crazy... But I went to Iowa, so I did not follow that piece of advice. Um, That's a good one. I'm, I'm in North Carolina, so I guess I'm following that pretty well so far. Yeah, I think now maybe it's like changed a little bit based on <laughs> political climate and what you associate yeah. with. Um, best advice. And it's not only career advice, but one thing I found um, anything like particularly helpful was kind of reading about um, cognitive behavioral therapy huh. and this idea yeah. that they're kind of like voiced in your like techniques for like responding to that like voice in your head. Yeah, and I think like one of the things like I feel like when I was young, like when something went wrong, like when you get into that that spiral of like, and I, I know like the things that I have always worried about more like the social things. Like, you know, you have a, a have an awkward social interaction with someone, and I feel like my my like past self would kind of get into this like spiral. I'm like, oh wow, I like totally screwed that up. Like, I'm <laughs> terrible at this shit. Like, why do I bother talking to people? Like, I should just not like should just not try doing this. It's impossible. And you just get kind of get caught in that negative spiral. And like having like techniques to like, like kind of knock yourself out of that, to like argue with your mental voice and be like, oh, you know, I had a bad, I had an awkward social interaction. Like, like that, that's it. Like there's no deeper meaning there. Like it's just like something was awkward. Like, and that's fine. Like not everything in life is going to be, you know, perfect and wonderful. I'm not going to like land every single joke I make and I'm not going to make like, I'm not going to leave everyone who interacts with me like having the most amazing experience ever. And that's like, that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It's just, you know, something that happens. And I think that like, that was one of the things I just, and like as, yeah, but that, that just really made me kind of like a happier person and more effective person in, in general. That's funny that you bring that up because my therapist and I talk about it all the time. CBT, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So is that how you uh, manage your stress? I'm sure as a chief data scientist, you are, you have lots of pressure on you, 
right? So what goes on in your routine that helps you manage your stress? Um, is, is that how you approach your, you know, big complex tasks? How do you? I think, you yeah, like just kind of like personality wise, like I'm not someone who by and large, like worries about stuff yeah. that much to almost, I mean, probably my problem is I should worry about things more <laughs> than I do, but for whatever reason I don't. Um, so I don't, like, I don't feel like particularly like stressed as a whole. I think, you know, part of that is I just seem to, you know, build up these reasonably good kind of like mental coping strategies. I mean, the, the other thing that is really important, that's clearly really important to my kind of uh, mental health is like a, you know, regular, regular exercise. And that, you know, that used to be yoga for me and that's now weightlifting. And that, that just feels like that is so important. And I, I, I think like, you know, I was like a, I was a pretty like unfit kid. And I, I think like, I, I guess like for a long time, I kind of like thought of like physical activities, like PE classes in school, right. which I like absolutely hated. <laughs> um, you know, like I was always like the you slowest kid and um, whenever we did a school run, I just like, I just hated it and it was always unpleasant. And it, it took me kind of a long time to figure out, I was actually, there's actually like stuff I really do enjoy doing and like a lot of it's not. Um, and, and that just makes me like, it, it definitely like makes me mentally more, you know, it makes me feel better physically, but it also makes me better, feel better mentally. And it's a good way of like working out stress and stuff. Yeah. So, Do you work out with Jeff? From, just you. <laughs> it's just me. Like Jeff and I have like, A, Jeff does not really work out that much. And B, he is like totally different workout. Like he loves the thing. He loves like Peloton. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and was like super like cheery like i did i did like his favorite instructor on peloton once I, I basically it made me realize like i hate working out the music and i hate <laughs> like i hate people giving me like constant positive feedback when they can't <laughs> even see me i'm like like you don't know what i'm doing like and <laughs> like you just like annoying me like i know i'm doing like I, i'm doing poor, poorly and you don't know it or i'm doing well like i don't need you to tell me that like i know i'm doing so uh yeah we like we have very different workout approaches yeah do you do like uh is it like private lessons orange theory or you know like what do you what do you work out what do you do yeah i i'm in this this starting strength program so it's basically like have about eight people at a time so you have like a time where you're like you know you have a i have like a thing in my calendar which is when i go work out and then it's like normally eight, it's about, it's up to eight people. It's normally like six to eight people. And it's uh, along with a coach. Cool. And I guess the thing that really surprised me is I kind of like in my head think of like weightlifting as all these like sort of super bro-y dudes who are like doing their pre-workout, pre like super muscular. Grunting and stuff in the gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when it turns out, like, so this, I really like this, like, starting strength gym because it's people of, like, there are people who are, like, vastly stronger than me and people are way weaker than me and everyone is getting better. And that is what, like, that is what the emphasis is on, is, like, you and getting better, like, you know, no one in these classes is going to be like an Olympic class weightlifter or hardly anyone is. So it's not, your goal is not to be the best in the world. The goal is to be like the best you can be, which I think is really, really, yeah, and everyone's like supportive of that, regardless yeah. of whether you're like 
lifting, you know, 300 pounds, you're lifting 30 pounds. It's very nice. Yeah. So, Hadley, how do you have time to like learn things, right? Because you have your job, but do you ever take the time to learn other things? How do you just increase your knowledge? How do you get better at what you do? I, I've always thought about this as like a PhD student. There are just yeah. so many things that I need to do. Um, so, how do you manage that? Yeah, I think, I don't know, it feels like less, I don't know, I do that less now than I used to. Yeah. Um, it feels like, yeah, like, you know, when I was a PhD student, I just read like a lot of books and I yeah. felt like I, I'd read them and I'd be like, oh, this is a great idea. And now I read books. I'm like, oh, well, I already knew that. Well, that's obvious. <laughs> like, good idea, but I know if you take this two steps down the road, it's not actually going to work. Um, so I still like, I still read a lot. Like, I think a lot of it now is just kind of like, like experimenting with code, like trying stuff out in new areas. It, it is tough though because like you, I think it is easy to kind of get trapped in your own success like there's you know things that I am like really good at and I can do really quickly and mm -hmm. that is like of course like more satisfying and more fun but if all you do is the things you're already good at like you're missing out on all these things that you could be getting good at and I, a part of it I think is just like kind of acknowledging like when you learn something new like you're going to be slower and it's going to be frustrating and it's annoying and that that's that doesn't mean you should stop that's just your kind of I mean I kind of think of it as like when you're you know doing your physical exercise your yeah. brain is often like like I'm too tired like let's stop this and it's exactly the same feeling like when you're doing something mental it's not like a sign that you're like weak or a sign that you're stupid it's just a sign that your body is like okay i'm like sick of this and it, you know doesn't mean you should stop yeah that, that that's a great way to uh that's a great analogy there so yeah i really appreciate that um so before i move on to my fun questions is there anything else that you uh just want to plug or like talk about before we move on it could be about anything I'll say, like, I guess the other, the, the one thing that I found, like, kind of particularly useful in my career is, like, writing. Mm -hmm. um, that was something, like, I kind of, I had, like, a bad, bad experience, I guess, as a PhD student, where I write, like, a chapter of my thesis in, like, a month, and that was, like, a month of hell, and I was, like, I'm never, like, putting myself <laughs> through this again. So, like, getting that kind of regular, so now I have, like, a pretty regular discipline of writing every day. And I think finding that thing, like it might not be like, you know, writing for you and clearly like I've given this advice to a lot of people and no one can follow it. So it's clearly not, doesn't, doesn't apply to most <laughs> people, but like finding that like one little thing that you can spend, like if you spend 30 minutes or an hour on something every day, like you get better at it. Yeah. And like finding the things that can like kind of compound your compound over time, is just like so, so, so valuable um so yeah I, I think that's like why and, and now like you know that's led me to write like all of these books and the books have led to um all sorts of opportunities and you know now when i forget things i can look them up in my own book <laughs> super useful cool. all right so thank you for that um now for the fun questions so most if not all of these are from um one of my lab mates, her name's Nicole Kramer. Uh, she's about to graduate. You should hire her. Uh, she actually just gave a talk at uh, our studio Global, so back in 2021. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, she just did a she did her talk on genomic a genomic data visualization package. So, yeah, and she helped me think of these. So, what does your name mean, and why do you think you were named Hadley? Uh, it's like some <laughs> Scottish thing that means from like the from the heather fields or something. <laughs> And it was my uh, my granddad's middle name. Okay. So that's where it came from. Unfortunately, fun fact about Hadley is that it's getting popular as a girl's name in the US, which <laughs> I am very unhappy about. <laughs> I think that's funny. That's awesome. Um, what baked good are you most proud of successfully making? Uh, I think that like the one thing I just made one recently that like it took me a long time to kind of nail it is like angel food cakes. Oh, like I really like I don't know I just had a lot a lot of like failures where they smell like little thick pancakes that are disgusting. Um, but now I can like reliably seem to be, like bang one out and they're really tasty. So that's awesome. What about cocktails? Um. Uh, my favorite, I don't know, my favorite cocktail has been my favorite cocktail for a long time. It's called the Negroni. I just love it and like making variations. Uh, the other thing I do like to do though is to try and like come up with my own cocktails. And one one thing that I have that I enjoy doing is I've got like a book that has kind of like, you know, good flavor pairings. And so yeah. I love kind of like using that to like brainstorm on what are some ways to kind of combine these things together and make something good and sometimes it succeeds <laughs> do you want to share uh one of the secrets what is uh, what is one that you've made what is a good pairing is so good one pairing? that i did recently um which is like i don't know weirdly good we had this like a lot of these things i come up with because i we have this like bottle of something that we don't particularly like like and so it's like <laughs> trying like so many different things to try and like drink it up and this was like a bottle of gin that was like super cucumber heavy and like as usual, I always figure these things out when the bottle's almost gone. But it was like cucumber gin, um, lemon juice, simple syrup, and coconut milk, <laughs> and okay. coconut cream. And there's just something about the combination of the cream, the coconut cream, and the lemon and the gin just like tasted better than the individual components. So that's oh, I'm intrigued now. Yeah. Very tasty. Cool. On the topic of things you've consumed, what is the weirdest thing you've eaten? Uh, what is the way? I think the, um, what's the name of it? There's this thing in Sweden that's like um, fermented herring. And like the can, like you knew that when you get the can, wow. like it's actually bulging open, like bulging out because of like all of the... Um, like gases filling up inside of it and it yeah. smells like indescribably awful but it's like reasonably <laughs> reasonably tasty so i think that's it and then i think the, the other like i love i also love marmite which is like a new zealand or it's like a new zealand australia england spread that's made from like yeast extract which i really like but is definitely an acquired taste for yeah, everyone else when I abroad, yeah when i go abroad yeah. i'll try these things yeah yeah I have three questions for you. Last three. So pumpkin spice lattes are back. Uh, we call them PSLs in our lab. Are you a fan or yeah. not a fan? I am not. A, I am not a fan. Like, the pumpkin spice in general, I'm like, no. no. Oh, no. I Nicole's going to be so sad by that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
if you had a warning label, what would it say? <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like it would just be like warning, ah, nerd. <laughs> like that. Yeah. Okay. And the very last one. Uh, if you could rid the world of one thing, what would it be? I'm tempted to say pumpkin spice last. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, oh, like pumpkin spice latte candles. Oh god. <laughs> I, I have to say, I like I I am not a fan of Stephen King. I'd be like, just give us some candles.